Good morning and welcome um, to St Paul, Sydney. And sorry I'm not with you in person. I'm currently out at Narrowena, who are concluding their Alpha course this week. And so we're leading worship and staying there for the whole service this week. Um, I'll be joining you after the service, um, after a, uh, when I came back from Narrowena. However, today's focus is God's generous invitation to all. And in fact, I've got God's generous invitation to all, but... So let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the wonderful gift of being invited to be part of your church, your family, to, to receive your love. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us. Open up our hearts and minds to hear from you, um, to be reminded what it means to have a place at your, in your church, in your kingdom, in your family, because of what Jesus has done for us. And help us to see how you call us to be part of the inviting party, to, to invite others to be part of your kingdom. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Today's focus comes from our gospel reading, and our gospel reading is centred around this wonderful picture of a wedding banquet. I've got a question for you to start off with. Is Have you ever received an invite to something? And then decided not to go? What were your reasons? Occasionally I'll get invites to birthday parties, usually major birthday parties, you know, ones with a zero or a five at the end. Um, and the unfortunate thing is often they're on a Saturday and often they involve a lot of travelling uh, and it makes it very difficult for me to attend. So usually I have to knock some of those back. But what about the other way? Have you ever hosted a function and invited some, a lot of people to the function, invited some people who you dearly wanted to be there, and they didn't show up. What reasons did they give? Maybe they didn't even give a reason. You know, some people are scared to give reasons for not showing up, they just don't show up. Well, today's focus is around this wedding feast and we hear this story and we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth where the king has invited all those who are special to him, all those who have a relationship with him to this wedding feast. And Jesus tells this story to give us an indication of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And some of them, many of them choose not to show up. And then the king does something strange. The king said to his servants, go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the kingdom and the wedding hall was filled with guests. I don't know what you feel about wedding banquets, but I've been to some wedding feasts which have been spectacular. More food than you could ever enjoy, or the quality of food has been higher than whatever you can enjoy. It's always something special. And the reason for the wedding feast is not the food, is it? It's actually coming together to celebrate something. Coming together to recognise that the couple has joined together. And in our reading today, this picture of the wedding feast is not a once-off. The, the New Testament talks about 
that our life with Christ, our connection with Christ is like a wedding feast. It is Jesus connecting to the church. The idea is that Jesus is there and we as a church, as a collective of people, are his bride. And so this story then gives us something to think about, doesn't it? If Jesus is there, the king being God the Father, which is, is, the, is the image that is used in allegory, and the son being Jesus, then who's the bride? The bride is us, the church. And we being connecting. The wedding feast is a time where we connect. Connect to Jesus. And the other two key characters in this story are his servants, the king's servants, and those who are invited. Now, what we see at the start of this story is what the king invites these people. And there are people who are known to him, they're people who are friendly to him, or should be friendly, or at least on the surface they're friendly. But the original guests respond in a particular way. They respond by either ignoring him or continuing what is keeping them busy. They say, ah, and we'll sing a, we sang in the song, in the kids' song, I cannot come to the banquet because... I've got to look after my cow. I've got to look after this. I'm focused on my home duties and my work duties. I haven't got time to join in this celebration. I want to focus on what's important to me or what I think is important to me. That's one type of response. The other response we see in the story is that there are some who are grossly offended by the invite grossly offended by the servants and they destroy the messengers. They destroy the servants. Now, whilst the original idea of Jesus telling this story was to highlight that Israel had rejected God's invitation to be part of his family, had been people who are too busy or too caught up in their own interests, this story can also apply to each of us and to others. So who might be the guests who are too busy or offended today? Who might be the people who say, oh, I haven't got time for my relationship with God. God loves me anyway, but I haven't got time. I'm just going to continue on with my life. Who might be the people that we know that do that? Or who might be the people who get offended by Jesus? And more importantly, as we think about this text and how it might apply to us, is when might I be like those original guests? When might I be more focused on myself and my interests rather than accept the invitation, join with the invitation that God has given me and go along to the things, even though it might cost me something? When might I be like some of those original guests. It's easy to have that attitude, isn't it? I remember um, talking to a a very astute um, Lutheran theologian who said, one of the problems with us Lutherans is because we are saved by grace, 
As soon as somebody says we have to do something, we dig our heels in and say, no, we don't, and we don't do it, no matter how good it is for us. So I'd encourage you to think about this. When might you, when might I be like those original guests? When might I say, I've got these other things to focus on, these worldly things to focus on. I've got to attend to this and I haven't got time to spend time with you, God, or to be part of your church or to be involved in your missionary activities. So how does the king respond to that? Well, we hear in verse 7, he goes out and destroys those who had murdered his servants and their city. And many scholars suggest this is Matthew indicating and saying why Jerusalem had been destroyed. And remember Jesus' comment that he was going to destroy Jerusalem in three days. But if we apply it to ourselves today, let's think about this. What, What is God destroying when we neglect our relationship with him? What is God destroying when we neglect being part of his kingdom? What might he destroy? Well, one of the problems that we all of us have at times, we attach ourselves to traditions. Traditions that we think are very important for our life. Similar to a lot of the early Pharisees and Sadducees who had their traditions, which was stopping them from accepting Jesus. Stopping them from allowing Jesus to be how they saw God. But what about us? What traditions do we think are more important than God? And we might not see them that way, but we might think, oh, this tradition that I have, that's so important. Unless that's at the church, I'm going to get upset and angry. And often that's an idol. Or maybe God's destroying our own importance. How important we think we are how important that we must do these other things, otherwise the world will fall over. So I encourage you to just reflect on that. What might God be wanting to destroy in your life that gets in the road of you having a relationship with Jesus? A relationship with Jesus and being part of his kingdom his missionary kingdom of reaching out and sharing the gospel in word and action. It may be simply the way you approach work. That work is more about you earning money, you getting a reputation, than the place where God has placed you to reveal his love and grace amongst the people you're working with. But the king doesn't give up simply because people reject it. And this is, this is the real picture of God. God doesn't give up on wanting to invite people to be part of his kingdom, his family. God doesn't give up on sharing his grace and love. Most scholars say this story is told to, to reveal to the Jewish people that God is welcoming all people, no matter whether they see them as good or bad. God welcomes them all. 
Because in verse 8 to 9 it says that his servants went out and invited all people, the good as well as the bad. Now if you were in charge of inviting people to something, would you be so generous to invite them to this? There's a story of a lady who had a wedding and for various reasons, many of her guests couldn't show up and yet she'd ordered all this food and it was too late to order the food and she thought, I may have spent this money so I may as well make sure people benefit from it. So she invited Everyone she could meet on the street to the wedding banquet, to her wedding banquets. Many of them she didn't know. Many of them didn't know her, but they appreciated. Likewise, God invites all people, good and bad. People have had no idea who he is. To people who may have rejected him, to people who have... Previously, the Jewish people have said, you are not acceptable. So the truth is, all of us have been invited by God. You and everyone else has a place at God's wedding feast. Not because there is something special about us. Not because we have paid enough money. Not because we have earned our way here through our efforts or how good we are but because of Jesus we are there because God wants us to meet Jesus we are here because God wants us to meet Jesus we are here because of Jesus and our invitation is because God has paid the price for us to attend that wedding feast I don't know if you've ever read some of the weird articles about weddings and there's always this thing that pops up occasionally on the internet when when somebody does something a bit wacky and peculiar when it comes to a wedding and one of those things is when a couple decide they want to charge people to attend their wedding feast that is not taken well because our tradition is the host's Put on the meal for all those who attend. And the tradition of the church, the truth of our relationship with God, is that God is the one who puts on this gift of eternal life, this gift of being part of his church. And it's because of Jesus. The focus is Jesus. And but not only is the focus Jesus, it's because of what Jesus has done. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 27 says, So in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptised into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. So as we think about this story, and we think about here we are, part of God's family. We are here because God has invited us, and God wants us here. But not only that, God wants everybody else. Think about all the people you bump into in the the week. God would like to invite them and does invite them through people like you and me 
as we interact with them. To come and be part of his wedding feast, his family, his church. Remember, the wedding feast is a picture of our relationship with God. It's about us being connected with Jesus and us enjoying the the blessings of that connection. But the story doesn't stop there. Unfortunately, there's a problem. And the problem is this. Most people who are invited from the good and the bad respond well. Most people come and join and receive from God what they need to receive. And one of the things they talk about, we see in this story, is that the guests are wearing wedding robes. And many suggest what happened in those days was if you were invited to a wedding, those hosting the wedding would give you robes to wear. However, there's a problem, and listen to the problem. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Now, if this picture of the wedding feast is us being there at God's invite and us being there because God has made it possible for us to be there. And then in the New Testament, there's a number of times about talks about being clothed with righteousness and clothed with Christ. Could it be that this man, who was not wearing the wedding clothes, wanted to be part of this group of people, but on his own terms? Maybe even thinking that he's good enough by himself, or he deserves to be there because of his reputation, or he deserves to be here because of the money, or he deserves to be here because he's got a right to be here. And, but he still wants to do his own thing. He still wants to go on and live his own way. And so the question this rises for us is, what does it mean for each of us to be robed or clothed with Christ? What does it mean for you and me to be clothed with Christ as part of God's family and God's kingdom? When you're baptised, God says to you, you are my child. I clothe you as one of my children. But it's not just about receiving from Jesus, which is important. It's also seeing a new way of life, a new way to live, a new humble way to live. And so another question that may raise is this. Am I receiving the way of life that a relationship with God gives? Am I receiving this way of life that God says, come, be part of my family? Come, be part of my eternal life, my church. Come and receive this and recognise that you're here because of what Jesus has done on the cross and through the empty tomb. Come and live a life of loving God and loving others. Come and be a person who lives not for yourself, 
but lives to serve others. Rather than, I'm here because I deserve to be here. I'm here because my family has always been part of this church or this denomination. I'm here because this is what is my right. You see, in being clothed with Christ, being part of a person who's wearing the wedding robes, is about accepting what God gives us. Accepting the gift of life that God gives us. Life now and life eternal. But also having our lives shaped by God and reflecting that life, that, sh- that love that God has for us in the world we live. And so perhaps this picture of the man not wearing the wedding robes is a picture of anyone who says, I want to be part of the church, but I want it on my own terms. I want to be part of God's family, but I reckon God's got this part wrong and I want it to do stuff. You know, Bonhoeffer talks about this thing of cheap grace where... People want to be part of the Christian community, but without recognising that they have sinned and need God's love and forgiveness to be part of his family. And so the question I encourage you to think about is, are you receiving this new way of life that a relationship that God gives you? So what does all this mean for us in living the faith? What does it mean for us as we be Christians? Now, the first thing is we should always recognise we're not perfect. We don't get always this right. But let's think about this. Let's keep remembering that my place, your place, anyone who walks through this door's place in God's kingdom is because of Jesus. It's because of the message Jesus gives. It's because of the love that God gives us through Jesus. It's because of what Jesus has done on the cross and the empty tomb and the resurrection and the ascension that we are here, that God welcomes us into his family, welcomes us into his wedding feast. And so secondly, let your connection with Jesus and God's church be a priority for you. Highlight the importance in your calendar and your diaries. Let your connection with Jesus and God's church and his mission be a priority. Think about what that may mean, how that may change your week. And it may be about prioritising Sunday worship over other things for some of you. It may be about prioritising a Bible study or a Bible devotion time as well. But it also may mean prioritising Jesus and God in your workplace. That where you are at the moment is where God has called you to be to share his grace and love amongst the people you're with. 
And thirdly, in relation to this connection, keep connecting with Jesus and others. So make your connection a priority and then keep connecting. Keep connecting with Jesus and others. You see, our call as a church is not just about learning stuff. You know, some people will think church is just about the head knowledge. You know, it's about the information, it's about the Bible study and the worst sermon, and that's all it is. But those things are there to help us have a relationship with God and each other. So keep connecting with Jesus and others. Keep looking at ways to connect. And fourthly, continually live relying on Jesus for your righteousness and the reason why you're part of his kingdom and his church. Keep coming before God and receiving his forgiveness. Keep coming before God and thanking him for what he gives. Keep focused on the eternal life that he gives. And keep your life in perspective. That even when you do good, you do good because God has given you the ability to do good and not to earn something from him. And lastly, be a person who invites the good and the bad to connect with Jesus' church. Be a person who invites all people you interact with to come and know Jesus, to come and be part of God's wedding feast where they will be blessed in many ways, more than you could ever bless them. You see, God has invited us to this wonderful wedding feast. And as you read through the New Testament, you get a picture of this wedding feast keeps popping up. And it's a wedding feast that says, God is never going to desert you. And it's a wedding feast that never ends. And it's a wedding feast that means you have the gift of eternal life forever. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of life now and in the future. We thank you that you have invited us to your wedding feast. Pour down your Holy Spirit on us and help us be people who rely on you for life, who rely on you to shape our lives and who rely on you as we invite others, good and bad, to be part of your church. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.